Schedulicity has done it once again. They, uh, uh, in addition to their $5,000 a month grant that they give to a barber or to a hairstylist, um, they just, uh, they just made it so it's uh, a little bit easier to make some money. Yeah. I mean, they uh, came out with a credit card processing uh, payment system called Schedulicity Pays. It's pretty exciting, right? I mean, like they're offering it, uh, they're offering credit card processing for 1.99% or 10 cents a, a swipe, but... And what's cool about that is that they'll get, even give you a uh, free uh, card reader. That's unheard of, right? Because I know I paid like a bunch of money for mine. Yeah. You know? So they're going to give it to you free and then only charge you 1.99% per, percent with a... Uh, 10 cent a swipe fee, right? Yeah, you can't beat that. You can't beat that at all. Um, and also what's really cool too is it works within your Schedule City app, so you don't even have to leave the app or use a different um, like app outside of outside of the, uh, you know, the, the, the already app, right? Yeah, you just stay in one platform. That's can't it. get easier than that either. I'm like, <laughs> I know, right? And you can uh, manage all your uh, all your papers right through that, right? Yeah, all your inventory and everything. It, you know, all major credit cards are accepted. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And the best part, which is also what makes Schedulicity incredible, is their their customer service, or as I like to be called, the rock stars. The rock stars. So you still have the love, same. Love the rock stars. The rock stars are are the difference makers in this company, as far as I'm concerned. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, and so you still get that uh, that that same service with them. Um, so I mean, literally getting paid just got a little bit better. Yeah. And then for uh, more information, just visit schedulicitycares.com to find out uh, more information on getting paid. Schedulicity Cares. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, welcome to your day off. My name is Corey. Because sit with best bud, Tone. What's up, man? What's going on, brother? Pretty excited about today. Oh, man. This has been kind of one of those dream podcasts. Something that's, you know, someone that, I mean, in our industry, she is, she's she's known to our clients. That's how uh, popular she is. I know. It's pretty crazy. And how impactful she is to the industry. It's incredible. First, we have to, uh, we have to thank uh, Premier, where are we, Philadelphia, for yeah. bringing us up today. Um they uh, actually the story is is that when we were at Premier Orlando, they said, "Hey, do you want a classroom?" And we we're like, "Absolutely, we want a classroom." And then uh, they were like, uh, "You got to find your guest." And then I got sweaty because I kind of felt like immediately like I was going to be in middle school, right? Like nobody was going to show up. But uh, yeah. we're actually doing this in front of a live audience, and this, yep. uh, I, I totally feel like Oprah. We're having an Oprah moment here in front yeah. of a whole audi- audience. Yeah, man. She, uh, I mean, she inspires men and women all around the world, not only to. Uh, to, to, to better themselves, but to take charge of their life, you know, to just, it, you're in control of yourself. And, uh, it, dude, she's an amazing person. I can't wait to get in. Let's do it. Should we do it? Yep. Should we do it, guys? Should we get in? Yeah. Woo. So I'm super happy to introduce our guest today. Our guest today is Tabitha Coffee. And, uh, and it, uh, who? Uh, Tabitha huh? Coffee? Who? Who? Who's yeah. Tabitha Coffee? Um, but uh, a little bit of the story is we met last year. We've been trying to do this for a year, so we finally made it happen, and we got to do it in front of an audience this time. Yeah, dude. Uh, Tabitha, welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Thank it, A year in the making, but I'm so glad I'm here, and I'm so <laughs> glad I get to sit in front of a group of, of 
our peers. It's amazing. I know, our peers, right? Yeah, Isn't that crazy? totally. Greatest industry ever. Yeah, and, and they know, like everybody knows, you know, what you're doing, who you are, you know, but let's, let's start from the beginning. Where are you from? I am from Surface Paradise, which is on the Gold Coast in Australia. And yes, it is pretty special. Mm, pretty Surface Paradise? Pretty amazing, yeah. Could you imagine if you lived in a place named Paradise and it was terrible? Yeah, no, it's definitely paradise. It's pretty amazing. So, from paradise to Jersey, but we'll get to Jersey yeah. later. <laughs> there's a whole story yeah. there, right? <laughs> and there's, there's some miles, right? Right, right yeah. yeah. So, so, how did you find yourself finding our industry? I mean, let's, let's go back. Uh, so, my mother was a hairdresser, but I never knew her as one. So, she didn't practice hairdressing when I was a kid, but she was a hairdresser. Mm -hmm. My eldest brother was actually a hairdresser as well, but had not practicing when I was a kid. So I just kind of, there were those stories that my mum was a hairdresser and my brother was a hairdresser. I became a hairdresser because my, um, I was a weird kid, like a lot of kids. I was a weird kid and I didn't really fit in. I was incredibly overweight and I was picked on and I went to a very posh, girls' school and they're all little bitches and not the good <laughs> kind of bitch, the horrible kind of bitch. Um, and my parents owned strip clubs in Australia. And like that girls, doesn't make you weird enough? Yeah, I mean, to me it was normal, right? <laughs> to other people it's weird, yeah, exactly. to me it was normal. And the girls, the majority of the girls were transgender. Wow. So my place to sit would be backstage with the girls. That was my happy place and my thing, right? And I would sit back there as a little kid and I'd watch the girls get dressed. And I'd watch them do their makeup, set their wigs, bead their costumes, get dressed, talk about all the stuff that they were going through. And I think just because there was a kid hanging around, not that they ever held back because I was there, right. they put me to work. So I started doing hair by doing their wigs and they taught me how to put hot rollers in because it was hot rollers back yeah, in the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. And they taught me how to hot roller their wigs and pin curl their wigs and glue triple lashes together and bead their G-strings and do all of those kind of things. So I kind of became so you a have worker like, bee. Yeah, like live Barbie dolls. I did, <laughs> totally, 100%. Live trans Barbie dolls. So that, w that, was, that was like one of the things into the industry because what I realised was hair was the last thing they did and it was super impactful. The other big thing for me, again, being a kid not fitting in, it was the days of weekly blow dries, right? So my mum would go and get a blow dry every week. I'd sit, I'd watch all the women come in one way, leave another, just watch them, right? Watch the cycle. And women always walked in. You could tell they were a bit miserable, shoulders hunched, right? Look on their face. And they'd come into this community. My mother's hairdressing was amazing. He was just amazing. And he... There was a community and people would come in and they'd talk and women would start smiling all of a sudden and their boobs would come out and there'd be a wiggle in their <laughs> step when they walked. And there is this moment, so when you all go back to work, look for this moment because it happens to all of us. It's so special when a client looks at herself just for a second and it's really sometimes for a second and she just looks at herself and thinks... I'm beautiful, I'm okay, I look good, I'm pretty, I feel amazing. There's just this recognition mm -hmm. that happens and that's because of us. Yeah. And that was really powerful for me as a kid. So that was 
I wanted in. I thought hairdressers were rock stars, good, and right. I was like, man, I want in. Yeah. I, and I was like, I guess, like growing up, and you, you felt that, that, you know, you maybe didn't fit in, and you felt that, you know, you, kids were teasing you that you were a little bit overweight, but when you were there, you felt like you belonged. You know what I mean? And then seeing just the... the, the how many times have we heard that in the industry, though? You know, like people find the industry and then they found where mm-hmm. they belong. Yeah, like, you know? yeah, we kind of, and I mean this in the nicest possible way. We're a little bit, um, the majority of us, are misfits. We are. We're misfits, and I'm proud of that. So I, it, it's a badge for me, right? right. But we're, we're misfits a little bit, and we don't quite fit in. We're not quite. I think Robert Comey says that, doesn't he? he we're not made for corporate life and we're right. not made for certain lives and we're creative and we don't quite like rules, although we'll follow them if we have to, right? We have all of these <laughs> things that we do just, and I'm generalizing, I know. Um, and this industry is so great for us because we can embrace all of those parts of us. We can be authentic and be ourselves and be true to who we are and be creatives and empower people and and share our journeys and do all these amazing things. And it's pretty special. Yeah, no one's sitting at a desk doing that, right? <laughs> no one I know. Yeah, right. for sure. And you found it a lot earlier than most of us. I mean, you, you were yeah, a, a young little girl. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, I started when I was 14. 14 wow. years old, I started my You started in the salon at 14? Mm-hmm. I did. I got a job. Um, I told my mother I wanted to be a hairdresser. And she said, you have to obviously finish, right? Right. School. Not all the way, but get the diploma I needed to in Australia, the equivalent. Um, and she said, so if you get a job, you can drop out of school because you can leave school at 14 in mm. Australia, then you could. You can get a job and just go to night school and finish what you have to do. So I got a job. I worked for a year in a salon for free. They wouldn't pay me, It's not quite a fine. job, is it? Um, and I worked for a year for free. Wow. Because I loved it so much. That's so awesome, man. I'm glad you loved it so much. You know, yeah, they couldn't get rid of me. You up. That's incredible. <laughs> wow. Did it, I mean, how many people knew that story? I, you know what I mean? As, as the deeper we get in, the more I'm, like, sucked in. So so you, here you are working for free at a salon at 14 years old. Did you, like, just stay there in an apprentice to get your your qualifications or did you go to school did no you? I worked there I worked there until um for a year actually until I was old enough to start my official apprenticeship mm-hmm. and in those days in Australia it was a four-year apprenticeship so you it's called in, you're indentured and you <laughs> sign into a salon so they agree to take you on and hopefully do your whole four years with the salon um and you go to TAFE College, which is our community college, once a week for hairdressing. And if you pass, you have to sit exams, just like if you go to college, like real college. So you do work in the salon, but you go to TAFE and do technical science. We did some anatomy, some psychology, business, and worked on clients. And then every year you would have to sit your exams, and if you failed... You got to sit again, but if you failed twice, you were out. That only give you a two-fail rate. Um, I clearly never failed. I passed with <laughs> honours every time. <laughs> only because I'm a nerd, and I nerd out on that stuff, not because I'm so special. I'm just a nerd. Mm-hmm. So I actually left and started my apprenticeship. I worked at a, a really large chain salon 
um, in Australia first and started my apprenticeship there and left there a couple of years in and actually just saw my old boss in June when I was in Australia for Hair Expo. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're still... How was that? That was cool, right? Yeah, we still... I mean, we talk on social media and she's an amazing woman and I spoke at um, an event on the Gold Coast and she came and sat in the audience, which was really cool and... That's so cool. Yeah. How, lo- how long were you... Um, how long before you left Australia? Like, what kind of... I finished my apprenticeship and I worked for a while and I went to London. It's a very Australian thing. We kind of pack up and we travel. We're travellers, right? And we normally (laughs) go for a year, two years and then end up back at home. And I went to London to go to Vidal Sassoon to do an advanced cutting class. And I thought I was the shit. I mean, I did. I was, I was a baby, right? And I just thought I was so amazing and so good. And I saved up all this money and I went to London. I went to Vidal Sassoon and just, like, they just chopped me off at my knees. I was like, shit, I thought I was the shit. Thank and you. now, not so muchy. <laughs> not so muchy. Which was great because I needed that. And it was good for me. It was good right. for my ego and it was good for me and it was humbling. And I did my week class at Sassoon and just was like, yeah, okay, so this is my new drug I want in. And went back to Australia and worked two, three, four jobs, whatever I could get my hands on to save my money, to move to London, to retrain and work at Vidal Sassoon. And that's what I did. Oh, wow. Brilliant, man. Were you still working at the clubs? uh, No, my parents parents had sold the clubs a long time ago and... Um, it was just really packing everything up. So, I, yeah, I moved to London. Wow, I was, I was young. I was uh, 19. Oh, my gosh. And thought that I'd do, like, the obligatory Australian thing, right? You go for two years and kind of get the job, get the experience, work, travel. That's what Aussies do. Mm-hmm. And then come home, and I still haven't quite made it home Ma- yet. Yeah, made it home yet. So when you were at Vidal Sassoon, did you work at like one of the salons or like were you on like their team? I did. I worked at, I worked at one of the salons. So you had to go through, um, when I live, when I was in London, I worked for three, three salons. One was Vidal, one was Tony and Guy. Mm-hmm. And then I worked for another um, Italian guy that had an amazing salon. And you had to retrain because even if you were trained and a qualified hairdresser, that was great, but you needed to go through the training class and retrain because you needed to learn the Sassoon way, right? right? Which totally understandable and what I wanted and what was important to me. So it's going back through that training. You kind of have to go back to sweeping floors and shampooing hair Mm. and essentially doing the whole apprenticeship again that I'd just come out of, redoing the whole thing so I could do it their way. Um, And then same thing, actually, when I went to Tony and Guy, had to learn and redo it their way as well because they're similar but different method, you know, they're different methods and they were very different at that time. Just Uh, quite different. I can't believe you kept picking up the broom, like starting over over again and again. Like yeah, but that's sometimes... So, again, I'm generalising, so we're in a live audience. Don't throw things at me. <laughs> I'll generalise. That's what's wrong with our industry sometimes. Right. That people aren't willing to pick up that broom. Like, you have to get off your ass. Sorry. Mm. It just... I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're an owner. I don't care if you're a booth renter. I don't care who you are. It... You have to get off your ass. And you have to pick up the broom sometimes. And that means 
whether you're at a show and standing in a back room and you're in the weeds, do you need help? I've got two hands here, let me help you, right? Or if you're in a salon and, yeah, my workmate beside me is drowning in hair, pick up a broom and sweep or... Can I, hey, can I shampoo for you? Do you need help? I'm, I'm not doing anything right now. You have other people's back, right. right? And then hopefully in turn they have yours. And no one is above it. Yeah. I've never asked my staff to do anything that I wouldn't do. I just want to point Ever. out that uh, Tabitha called me a mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we worked for a company, uh, PR Partners, uh, a, w- a little while ago. And we, when we were apprentices starting out, that's what he preached. And he would actually uh, come behind us and, and sweep. And, and he instilled a lot of that into a lot of his uh, employees is that everybody is, uh, you know, on the same playing field and just help each other, lift each other up. Because that's the only way you really want to grow. You know what I mean? Because if one person's only growing and, and, and think he's above everybody or she thinks she's above everybody, you know what I mean? It's just you leave everybody else behind and it just... Our success is all our success. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like I don't I don't look at it that, you know, I'm successful, but you're not. Like that we're successful. Right. It, our success is all built on the backs of all of us and the ones that came before us and the ones that will come after mm. us. So it's a it's a growth cycle. It expands out and expands out and expands out. So I just don't believe that anyone shouldn't get in and get their hands dirty and the day they start to do that or they think they're a bit too special because they stand on a stage or whatever it is, I don't care what it is, have, you know, a hundred and million thousand followers <laughs> on social media or as soon as you start to think you're a bit too special and you start to believe your press release, then you need to hang your scissors up and get out. Mm. So was Trevor Sorby or Vivian McKinder, were they were at Sassoon's when you were there? No, they were gone already. They were, yeah, because I know that's where it, some of the stories yeah. that Vivian was saying sound Same very thing. similar. Yes, yeah. well, <laughs> because we're, we're all, we're around, I might be a little younger, but not much, right, than Vivian, so we're around there. Trevor had already gone and opened um, and was, had opened, was just opening his salon. Uh, Vivian was already gone, so it's... We were all at that time frame. We all kind of came up at that time frame together. So our stories are all quite similar just right. because we all came up together and our paths all crossed, right. you know, through that, through those times. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, just wondering for my, because, you know, they're great hairdressers as well, but it would have been kind of interesting to see that intertwining of, uh, you know, through Sassoon's. That would, right. But I guess not. So after, so you, how long were you in London? I was in London for nine years. Oh, wow. Yeah. London's hard to believe, isn't it? It's like yeah. one of my it's favorite great. cities, right? It was, yeah, it was a good time. It was a That's really so good cool. time. What, what, how'd you get to the U.S.? Was it after that? Yeah, it was. Um, it was a good time to get out of London. The economy tanked, and it was getting a little crazy financially over there. And people over there, when they need to save their money, they really save their money. They're not like here. Um, they really, <laughs> you savor and you splurge because you go to the pub on the weekend and have like have a, you know, drink and a curry or something. So um, it was getting a little crazy politically and financially, and it was kind of time. It felt time for a change. And my mother 
actually moved to the US. She remarried and moved to the US. So it was a door in. It was a step in to the US. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually thought it was a good circle home. So I thought, oh, well, I'll go from London, come to the US, not been to America before, see what, you know, did this you have US this thing is about. Did you have and then I can travel here? over. Did you have desires to come here or was it just like an opportunity that presented itself? Um, To be honest, it was more of an opportunity that presented itself, not because I didn't want to come to America, Mm -hmm. because at that time, it's a different place now, right? And social media is one of the big things for that, which is why it's so incredible. In that time frame that I'm talking about is the time frame that we still, we didn't have social media, we didn't have computers, we didn't have that interaction. So... UK, London specifically, that was the mecca of hairdressing. That's where all the good shit was happening. Yeah, yeah. Right? It was the street fashion was really edgy and strong and hair was really edgy and strong and that's kind of where the hairdressers were coming from. Not to say there weren't great hairdressers here, but you didn't have access to them in the same way again because we didn't have social media. So really a lot of that street fashion and what I was into because I was young and punk and all of that was really happening in London. Um, So I wanted to come to America. I just, that's where it felt the pull for me creatively Mm -hmm. and the energy. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So like going to the city, to the country. (laughs) Right? Right. Well, I went to New Jersey, so it kind of was like going to the country. No no disrespect. I still live there. I'm a Jersey girl. I may not sound like it, but I love Jersey. So I'm not not giving a a bum rap at all because I still live there and I love it. But yeah, I came from London, from Hampstead Heath to New Jersey. It was a little bit of a culture shock. And your family's still in Australia? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Did you, um, when you first got here, did you work at a salon like in the city? I didn't because I didn't think I would stay. Mm. So I came to New Jersey. um, I came at Christmas, right before Christmas, and I went to New York. My mother, it was like a bait and switch. My (laughs) mother had it totally set up. Bring me into New Jersey at night. Don't see anything. Put me in a car the next morning. Take me to Manhattan. I mean, it was Manhattan. I stayed at the Plaza Hotel. Come on. It was like a movie. Right. Right? So it was like, oh, pretty lights. Oh, my God, it's snowing and it's cold. Right? It was like all of the – it was like a movie. (laughs) I went to Tavern on the Green, I think, for like Christmas lunch. No. And then she put me in a car and she took me back to New Jersey. I was like, wah, wah. Wah, wah, wah. Wah, wah. So I didn't work in the city because I didn't think I would stay. And mm-hmm. I didn't have a car. I had nothing. I had no car, had a couple of suitcases, didn't really have a lot of money, w- wasn't planning on staying. staying right. I honestly thought I thought it would be a bit like London. You go to a pub, you have a drink, you make some friends, you get in a car. Mm-hmm. I Thelma and Louise it, right? That was my <laughs> vision. We do a Thelma and Louise across country. I get to California, I fly back to Australia, done deal. That was kind bada of... Bing, boom. That was the mindset. Um, and then I realised in New Jersey, I was a strange age. I wasn't a kid. Right. And I wasn't quite a grown-up. I wasn't like the married with the 2.5 kids and the white picket fence. I was in that weird in-between and no one else really was. Everyone was either married or teenagers. Uh. 
So I went to work to make friends because I couldn't make any friends. So I got a job at a salon and it was a way that I could make friends. And here I am 20-something years later. So it was kismet. So you made a lot of friends. It was meant to be. (laughs) So how how did you get on Sheer Genius? Oh, that was easy. I went... um, There was a a casting that came through and it was actually from an agency. Uh, I mean, there were a couple that went out, but this one was from one of the agencies that we used models for hair shows, sent out saying reality show. We didn't really know what reality shows were. Again, I'm a dinosaur. There were no Kim Kardashians of the world then. There weren't all the reality shows, so... It was still a new genre. Everyone was kind of feeling it out. Top Chef was the biggest thing, which I love, because you could see and, right, I'm a foodie and experience it. So they actually had the casting in New York, and I was like, what the hell, I'll just go. But how how did you get from, like, a salon in New Jersey to, you know, what was the story to, to, you said you were doing shows and stuff. So were you working for a brand at that point? Yeah, I worked for a manufacturer, Uh and... I, I've been an educator for a really long time. It's, I, it's what I love to do. So mm-hmm. I owned my own salon. I was an educator. The majority of my travel was um, Pacific Rim. So I spent most of my time in Asia, Australia, New Zealand, Europe, and then some in South America. But I didn't stopped doing a lot in the US because I was a good traveller so they sent me (laughs) you know you could pack me up and send me to Asia for three weeks by myself and I'm totally self-sufficient I didn't need anyone I was good yeah I want to we're going to talk about the show a little bit because my wife and daughter uh is a is a big fan was a big fan of the show uh so I mean I know you you came in fifth oh I have no idea Came I mean, I, I, mean, I kind of won, really. Yeah. Right. Let's uh, let's win. Win. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, I mean, Adam, you came in fifth, but at the end of the day, I mean, very few hairdressers are known in our clients' homes, right? Mm-hmm. Other than like Sassoon, Paul Mitchell, but there's a, a lot of our clients, they know Tabitha Coffee. And uh, very few hairdressers can say that. And, and that show, um, it, it, like my wife and daughter were addicted. They're like, "Oh my god!" You know what I mean. So you be, you became quite the celebrity, and the yeah, talk over three million people a week, thirty six countries, and still going, still mm. plays. So you're traveling, mm. doing these shows. You're working at a salon, and then all of a sudden you do this show. How how did life change after that? Because now you're recognized by everybody. Um. So the weird thing is it didn't it didn't you know it it changed because and I talk I've talked about this in my books and I've talked about it with my TED talk all of a sudden people know who you are people always knew who I I've always been recognizable it's not like I'm a wallflower it's not like I'm hiding myself right so um I was always kind of known on the circuit because Mm -hmm. I worked with hairdressers and travelled and did those things. And all my clients in town where my business was, everyone knew me because I'd been there for a long time and I had a great business and a great clientele and everyone just knew who we were and who my staff were and who I was. And the difference was now I went to Nordstrom or I'd walk through the mall and people went, 
oh my god, you're that bitch on TV. <laughs> <laughs> right? That was that was the difference. So all of a sudden, it went from no recognition out in public to, and I mean not us, right? Not hairdresser people. To, oh my god, you're that bitch on TV, and that's what everyone said to me. You're that bitch on TV, <laughs> which is where I came up with my acronym for bitch, because people. There's a million things you could say. You're that Australian, you're the hairdresser, right? There's a million things that you could say, but everyone chose to say bitch. Uh-huh. And I, that's how I came up with my acronym of brave, intelligent, tenacious, creative, and honest. Found it because, out. Because um, yeah. it was... I found it really offensive that people were calling me a bitch and it wasn't a good representation of who I am. Mm. So I sat down and came up with my own acronym so that I could take the sting out of it. So really the way my life changed is when I go out, if I come to hair shows, I sometimes feel a little bit like Madonna and I love it and it's amazing and I'm so grateful. So thank you all for the love and support. It truly means the world to me. It's just, it is the best. It really is. It's amazing. Even when I'm tired and I look like I'm pissy, it, I'm flattered and grateful and humbled every single time. Um, and I, other people know me, non-hairdressers know me. So mm-hmm. I do go out and clients know me because I am, and I'm very grateful for this, I'm one of the few that straddle the line. Mm. I, the mainstream clients know who I am and want my opinion and want to know what they should do or listen to what I have to say, which I'm grateful for. And I'm very pro and very involved and love and will never leave this industry. So I do straddle this line that not everyone gets to straddle. So that's how my life changed. I, I became noticed. I, I mean, people call it famous. I don't think that. I became infamous, I guess. I became recognisable. Um, I got to do a lot of really cool shit. I got to meet a lot of really cool people. But, you know, in other ways, my life hasn't changed. Like, you know, I don't drive... I'm not Martino. I don't drive like a, you know, <laughs> yellow Lamborghini and need to do all of that. I still drive a shitty beat-up car and you know, do all those kind of things because I'm, this, I'm exactly the same person. And if you've known me for a long time, you know I'm no different. That's amazing. One of the lessons I got out of that, uh, in that little bit of your story, is that people assumed who you were, right? You know yeah, I mean? totally. But and don't people do that all the time? Yeah, and, and but it, you know, it just her focus was much bigger at that point. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and, it, and it was a show, but you know, it, it's unfortunate that we do tend to make up our mind uh, what someone is, or who, before we even have a chance to meet them or get the chance to know them, and you know what I mean. We're already judging, labeling, and and, and figuring out, yeah. you know, they're a bitch. A hundred percent. I mean, I talk. I that's something I actually talk about when I do business classes and when I do my business seminars and things um, or if I work with private clients because we all judge. I don't care who you are. We all do it, right? Right or wrong. I'm not saying right or wrong, but we all do it. And we all do it to our clients. We don't like it when it's done to us, but we also do it to our clients. So we make these decisions when our clients come in. We look and size them up and go, she'll never cut her hair off. 
She'll never go a bright colour. She'll never do this. She'll never come back, right? We start to make these assumptions just based on how our clients look and decide how much they're going to spend, what they're going to do to their hair, what kind of client they're going to be. And because we've put them in the box, we're not even allowing them to be truly who they are, mm. right? We've just put them in a box. So, yeah, it's That's it's a shame, but we, we all do that to some extent. So we all have to learn to let everyone be who they are and just meet them right there. So, Tabitha, moving back a little bit, how hard was it finding that tough character? Like, it, like, like what, was it a struggle to find it or, or it was just there? I didn't mean to stump you. It's me. That's me. That just... That's me. I've softened as I've gotten older, which is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Marginally. I have softened as I've gotten older. And I've softened a lot. I was going to say a little bit, but a lot. Because I am in front of people all the time. Um, I'm an introvert. Mm -hmm. I'm incredibly shy. I know people laugh, right? But it's true. I'm incredibly shy. It takes a lot of energy for me to stand in front of a lot of people sometimes. Um, I really am an introvert. I get stage fright. That's consistent. I've been doing this for 30-something years, nearly 40 years. I still get stage fright. It's just who I am. It's because I care. Um, but I'm also really unforgiving, really tough. I expect a lot. I'm a perfectionist. I want things done how I want them done. Um, doesn't mean I'm always right. I just want them done how I want them done. Mm -hmm. And I also want to help, but I'm really passionate. So if I don't... The worst thing for me is if I don't care, I don't care. Right. That, that's a bad place for me to be in. You always want me to care because if I don't care, I'm dialing it in and I'm out the door and I don't give a fuck. And that's a bad place for me to... That's a bad space for me to live in. But I don't care if it's this water I'm drinking or sitting in front of you guys or standing on stage or going in and taking over someone's show, right, salon and making a TV show about it. I'm driven on passion. So when I get passionate, that's me. Mm. So... It wasn't hard because it wasn't a character. It's who I am. It's just one aspect of me. Right. Right? So you just see me in... It's very one-dimensional because you don't see the other parts of my life or career or the other things that I do. Well, I'm very thankful that uh, all of our communications has been the end of the show, Tabitha. You've been very sweet <laughs> to us. Yeah, I'm, def I'm definitely getting older. I'm right. definitely <laughs> mellowing. Having said that, you never want to cross me because I'm... <laughs> I'm um, sitting here I terrified be, right now. That's when the... <laughs> I can frighten myself at times. That's I'm, pretty, the I'm full on. I know that. Acronym I'm full on. bitch yeah. changes into... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's not, not a cute word. So what does the word authentic mean to you? It means being, for me, it means being who you are, but that changes. I don't think we are who we are. I think parts of us are who we are maybe all our life, but I also think we change given our circumstances, our age, what we're going through. Parts of us will change. So you may have a thread, right? I've always been passionate. That carries on, but I've softened as I've gotten older because I've learned how to deal with things differently 
and how to get the best out of myself and the best out of other people, right? Right. But authentic is being who you are and being... You have to be okay with it. I, it doesn't really matter what anyone else thinks. Yeah. You have to be okay. Otherwise, you're always trying to fight those demons and slay that dragon or mm. looking for someone else to slay it for you, and that doesn't work. Mm. Mm. Right? That's right. What, um, how long have you been in Matrix? Wow. It, I mean, we've had a love affair for a while. It's been like, it's been kind of an ongoing love affair. This is full-time as Matrix Global Business Ambassador. This is four years straight. Um, but before that, six years going in, I, I went in as an ambassador to go to Destination. It was my first time going to Matrix Destination, which is an amazing event that happens every two years mm -hmm. in Orlando. It's coming up in January. So that was my first one, and I actually did hair, worked on stage, did a business class, um, really loved it. And before that, I'd done, not guest things, but done come like a couple of events with Matrix here and there, and I kept coming back to Matrix. Um, the thing that was interesting is when I had left the manufacturer I'd worked with for a really long time because I just couldn't do everything. I couldn't run a salon and have a TV show and do all these things. And it was time for me to leave. And I miss it because I miss the camaraderie and I miss the team and I miss you guys and I miss mm -hmm. this and I miss hair shows. And it was time for me to get back out. And I had spoken to a couple of manufacturers and no one knew what to do with me. It's really interesting. I actually had someone, an executive, say, I just don't know where to put you because no one knows what to do with me because I do straddle both lines mm -hmm. and they just don't know what, what to do with me. So they kind of want you but they don't want to utilise you. <laughs> right. And Matrix were really the company and to the credit of Martin who was sitting here who runs education at Matrix, so like we... I want you to be you, right? I want you to be... Just be Tabitha. Just, just be Tabitha and right. talk about what you want. And that's how I feel supported now with Matrix, with Martin and with Nancy and with all the team, is, you know, I'm into all these things and I change and I'm always doing all of these things and I'm growing and I go with these sometimes crazy ideas and go, hey, I have an yeah. idea and I think it would be really cool and... All of a sudden, we're like, yeah, you know what? That would be great. Let's do that. So I'm supported to be who I am. That's awesome. Which is amazing. They're a really cool Ma company. Matrix, and I hope I don't offend Martin and them, but you know, even like a couple years ago, like Matrix was kind of dark to me. But what they've done over like the last two or three years yeah. and pushed themselves in the front of the industry again. And we, you know, we have a few friends at work yeah. that work with Matrix again, and like it's amazing how they've just like pu again pushed themselves to the front yeah, of the, I mean, uh, it, the, the industry. It, it's been for me. It's always as I said, because I've kind of come in and out in the doing things mm -hmm. and I have a lot of really good friends like Christopher Benson. I go back a million years together. He's like my brother. So I know a lot of people that have are in Matrix world. They always had heart, right? Mm -hmm. they, always, they always had the hairdresser's back. They always wanted the hairdresser to be better and that is what I love. But... Um, Yes, the, the company's done a really great job with just things like Mentor Me program, right, and saying yes to that and supporting five new to the industry 
um, hairdressers and taking them on this journey and bringing them into shows and all the opportunities. They're going to be presenting, as I said, Matrix. Every two years we do Destination, which is huge. huge. It's like two and a half, three thousand hairdressers as I'm looking at them because I know they freak out every time I say it. And they're <laughs> going to be presenting on stage in front of that many people for their first time. I mean, that's frightening but super cool and they're going to crush it because they've been so supported with everyone at matrix and all the artists and all the artistic team have worked with them and taught them things and you know helped them and are empowering them and are standing behind them so they've got all of us there to lift them up as a company to do those kind of things that's really empowering and it says a lot about what they want to do for the industry you know what i mean which i love i'm all in for that Absolutely. So how long is that? Let's, let's talk about that a little bit now that we're on the subject of Mentor Me. I mean, I know you came up with the idea or whoever came up with the idea. You ran this huge contest and you had all these people and then you got down to five uh, who actually won. How long is the Mentor Me program? So it's a year. It will be a year. So it was me that came up with it and it was, again, one of those, I get a million. I've got an idea. Yeah, I have notebooks everywhere because I have mm-hmm. a million ideas. Um, and it took us a minute, and then we did it, and it's amazing. So everyone had to submit. There was a criteria they had to submit. We went through. Um, It was really hard. First of all, there was volume, right? There was a lot of people that submitted, but it was also really hard to look and narrow it down to five. There was some really amazing... We um... I don't mean kids in a bad way, but really amazing kids that, like, put this work out so, yeah, we picked the lucky five and they came into New York. And it's it's a journey of a year. So coming into major shows that were just at BTC that I know you guys were at, um, here they came into New York maybe a month ago, right? A month ago we did a business class with me, hands-on cutting class with me, a colour class, and then they did a social media class and flew home. We do check-ins on the phone, um, coaching sessions, which I do in my real life with clients. I work with clients Can you and imagine them that opportunity? And work their business, and we set goals and talk, and they have classes with all the different artists. So on Friday there was a class with Daniel Rodin, They've done a class with Christopher Benson, with Philip Wolfe, with Alfredo Lewis, Daniel Kiesling, Michelle O'Connor, Delic, right? All the all the team. That's amazing. Yeah. What a great opportunity yeah, for incredible. some young people, right? Can you imagine? I can't imagine. I can't. I mean, can't imagine, Tabitha. I can't imagine that pressure of finding those because I know we, you know, we did we did the Presley Poe and Friends thing where you know we had, I think we had like four hundred entries or something, and yeah. it was really hard. To kind of, you know, we, we had to pick one, but I couldn't imagine. I know that Presley was like dying doing it too. Like she was, she was, um, she was crying, yep. trying to pick it up because she it was also, stressful. yeah, she also felt like, you know, you're also like, they don't know it, but you're kind of, you know, pushing someone away at the same time that you're picking someone. And, yeah, and absolutely. There's a lot of pressure in that. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot, and you kind of have to look inside again. So you can't judge, right? Right. <laughs> you have to look beyond. You have to hold space for someone and look beyond what they may have put to you which is where they are now and imagine where they could be in that year mm-hmm. so that you can try and also put the right group together because it's also about putting five individuals together 
and a click happening, which these guys just did it from day one. We're so grateful and so blessed and support each other through all of it because that could not work as well. So there were a lot of little things. There was a lot of pressure on it. Creating a band. (laughs) You got got your little tour band. Can we sing? Can we sing? I know I I can't. You're singing dance? So is all five of them going to be on the stage together at the same time? Yeah, absolutely. That's so cool. Working on their storyboards right now. They better be working on their storyboards (laughs) right now. They better have their concepts. Mama said. They better have their (laughs) concepts done. We haven't checked in yet since I've been here. We'll be doing that this afternoon. And, yeah, ready to uh, rock and roll for our rehearsal in November. So in the room we have, we have four of the five. Yeah. And the one that's missing is Steph P. And the incredible thing is, is that she won Presley Poe and Friends. She won the Presley Poe uh, shadowing event. And then the very next day, she gets a phone call from Tabitha. How crazy is that? Right. <laughs> she gets a phone call from Tabitha. It's like, hey, guess what? Do you want to do this? Yeah, so that's like the universe days, telling her that she picked the right profession, right? That she won both those things in a day of each other. Yeah. It's amazing, right? I like it. I felt so proud and good or good for her. So is 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 them presenting? Is that the grand finale of the year? Yeah, that co- that completes the year. I mean, it really is. It it's to show we have been documenting. These guys have done a great job of putting on social media what they do. So you know, people are following them. A lot of people that didn't get into mentor me are following them to see what they're doing and what the journey has been like. And we have a YouTube channel, which is really cool. So we have little mini-series. Have you seen it? The Mm mini-series is really good. It's YouTube Matrix, right? It's the Matrix YouTube channel. Um, You should check it out if you haven't seen it. It gives you backstory on the five and shows you where they've been going. But it's really, it's really, really cool. And we keep adding to it all the time. So, yeah, Destination will be kind of their coming out party. They're present, you know, presenting everything they've done and the growth that they've had to the attendees that are coming to Destination and for a celebration of all the hard work that they've That's put so into cool. it and for us to really celebrate them. For those who can't make it to Destination, will they be able to watch it on the YouTube channel? Well, what's wrong with them if they can't make it to Destination? Yeah, I mean, what right. the hell? There's like 20 <laughs> Mondays or something until Destination. <laughs> all right, that means no, you're going to get left out. If you don't make it, you don't get to watch it. <laughs> yeah, we, to- we totally... No, 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 it'll no. To- you know it'll be on social media yeah. and you know we'll be posting and <laughs> it'll be all over social media, so absolutely. But if anyone can come, it, it's a fun, it's a fun Where couple of days. Orlando, Orlando, Florida. So perfect January and you get to mix and match your classes. So I, I just love that. You get to decide what, what you need, what you want, what you want to learn okay. and who you want to learn from and kind of make your own little education forum. Hey, Martin, we need a, a press pass for that, uh, for that event in, uh, in January. Oh. <laughs> um, is, is there a rumor uh, that uh, you have a new TV show coming? Is there? I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'll give you 100% confirmation, which I'm not going to. But, yeah, I'm, wor- I'm, working on, I'm working on a couple of things, but I'm also working on things not in front of the camera, just mm. things that I'm really um, very passionate about. One of them is the charity that I work with, Hair Aid, and the work that they do. It is really life-changing mm. 
and I'm working with an amazing um, documentary company in New York, production company, to make that and make that into a documentary. I just think it's a, a very special story, not just for hairdressers, but yes, because it, you instantly see how we can change people's lives, but just for people in general to shine a light on sex trade and what we're doing to women and girls primarily all over the world because it has to stop and until we all go enough, it's gonna mm -hmm. keep going. And as women, we should be a little louder than we are. Mm. Yeah. I'll get off my soapbox now. No, no, no. I want you to stay on your soapbox, actually, because um, so Hair Aid is the, is the program that you work with, mm -hmm. and that's and kind of give us like what are they doing and, and what are the amazing things. So Hair Aid was started uh, nearly twelve years ago in Australia. Mm -hmm. The lady that started it is just unbelievable. She really is. She is a university professor, so she's not a hairdresser. She's fallen in love with our industry. And she started short stories. She was in the Philippines with her husband and she met two nuns in a bar. Such a great story. Literally met two nuns in a bar that snuck into a bar to have a beer and watch football. And they were having a conversation about what these nuns were doing. And they were rescuing... People are so poor over there that they have to make a choice which child to leave on the street. Because oh. they can't feed them all, so they've got to decide which child to dump. And they leave them on the street because they feel like if they're gathered up off the street, they'll often have a better life than they could give them. And typically they're gathered up by prostitution gangs or drug gangs mm. or mafia. And it's not pretty, but parents do that. So these nuns worked for an organisation that collected the children. Like any community, you can kind of track down who the parents are. They fed them, they health-checked them, they made sure they were okay, and they go to the families and say, how can we help you? How can we stop this from happening? And it's about a micro-business and teaching a skill. So the first thing that Selena, who owns, who's founded Hair Aid, did was go and teach sewing. Sewing, great, but not really translatable because you need a sewing machine and there's all this stuff that you need, electricity. Most of these people have no electricity. They live on the streets. So hairdressing is the next best thing. People can actually make, and I've seen it with my own eyes, I go on projects all the time, it's extraordinary. People, by the time they're done five days, they learn five basic haircuts in five days. It's not making them a hairdresser, it's teaching them how to cut hair. Mm -hmm. There's no fashion to this. They can go on the street with the scissor kit that we give them after they go through their five days and they can pop a squat on the, <laughs> on the street, which is what people do, and start making, doing haircuts in their community, and they can earn enough money to feed their family for the month, buy rice and buy everything they need so that they don't need to sell their children. That's remarkable. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. So people who are listening to this podcast, I mean, it, I mean obviously, and that story, it's... I can't imagine. You know, Unbelievable. As, as a, yeah. So how how can other people get involved? Or how can they learn more about this? So if you this? go, um, it's always on my social media. I always kind of have a link up there. So if you come to my Instagram or Facebook page, um, and I take care of my own social media, so if you ever ask me, it's always on there. You can follow Hair Aid. It's H-A-I-R-A-I-D, and follow it on Instagram, 
uh, Facebook, and they have a website. It's hairaid.org.au, right? And they've got a donate button for hairdressers. Um, there are projects that go on every six months. You keep going back mm. to the country, which is so amazing. So it's a five-day, seven-day, let's call it seven-day commitment to go and you go in and teach these people. Last time I was there, I was in Cambodia um, working in the graveyards. There's a community that actually live in the graveyards and live on the graves and taught hairdressing there. We always do something philanthropic, not just with training the girls. Um, we go into orphanages and we cut all the kids' hair and we do things like that. So it's really, it's really amazing and just... Yeah, if you ever need to get out of your own shit and just feel oh. really good about what you're doing and if you ever go, oh, yeah, when people say I'm just a hairdresser, <laughs> we'll come and teach someone that's just been rescued out of the sex trade how to cut a hair and have that 14-year-old that's been treated like a piece of dirt for her entire life and raped by thousands oh. of men look at you with tears in her eyes mm -hmm. and say thank you that you've just taught her how to cut a bob, see how you feel about yourself. Mm. Wow, Miss Tabitha Coffee, you're amazing. I mean, I don't know. Run what else for to office. Say. Look at me, uh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, we we, we, we kind of have to wrap up already. It's already been an hour. Oh, if you it can has? Believe that. Wow, yeah, that's amazing. Um, first and foremost, from the industry, from this room, from the thank you, thank you so much. I mean, thank you for being a part of our industry and a, a part of our lives. Thanks for thank you, honestly, honestly. Thank you for. To all of you, all of you in this room, everyone listening, you guys, thank you for persevering for a year to make this happen. Um, it takes all of your support. So, and I, I mean that. Everyone's support of not just my career and what I've done and all the things that I've done, you keep turning up to events I mm -hmm. do and supporting on social media and coming to my classes and wanting to learn from me. You inspire me to keep growing and I will always keep growing for this industry and always keep giving back to it because it's what I love to do. So I will continue to grow and have conversations with you and learn as much as I can and make myself a better educator and make myself a better teacher and keep coming back and giving it to you. Um, and I appreciate you all for continually supporting me because it means a lot to me. So thank you. Thank you. Miss Tabitha Coffee. thank you for joining us on your day off. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find, actually you can, you can find their music on, um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease. <laughs>